Good morning, everyone. Uh, before I start, um, I'd just like to say thank you for all the people that uh, this week they came up to me or they called me and they said, we're praying for you. I just want you to know we have you in our thoughts and prayers, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, people, I would, uh, I would encourage you to maybe try it out or to, uh, to just ask people what it's like because I realize it's a lot harder than I thought. Someone that comes up here every week, it's, it's incredible the preparation it actually takes, and I'm nowhere near what Pastor Jake does every week. But this week, Joe talked about lessons that we can learn from Jesus and the strategies that Daniel used to do the right thing. What is the right thing? What is the and I think I've often come to find out what the wrong thing is before I find out what the right thing is. So when I talk about doing the right thing, it's not because I've already learned exactly what it is or how to always do it. By God's grace, I'm still learning. A good friend told me that there's a difference between preaching and teaching. And since my experience up here is little, my goal today is not to preach at you, but rather just teach what I have studied in preparation for this message. For those that would like to follow along, I'll be reading from Daniel chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his the treasure house of his God. When we think of Daniel, I think the first thing that would come to mind would be the lion's den, or the fiery furnace, and Daniel's great faith. However, the book of Daniel starts with his early life, and I think it's for good reason. The first thing we read in the book of Daniel is the capture of Jerusalem. It's interesting to note that the capture and deportation of the Jews was the fulfillment of warnings from the prophets of Israel. Israel had ignored the Sabbath day and the sabbatic year, which stated that every seven years they were to set their slaves free. Israel had also fell, fell into idolatry. The kings of Israel had made golden calves for the people to worship, and later some turned to worship Baal. Israel had, come what, had become what Isaiah describes in Isaiah 1-4 as a sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. The people of Israel didn't, didn't keep the command to set their slaves free, and so they too became slaves to Nebuchadnezzar. They chose to worship idols and were taken to Babylon, a center of idolatry. And so this is where we pick up the life of Daniel, a place that at this point does not sound like a godly place, but still this is where God decides to do his work. Here that God is not constrained by our past or the life that we're born into. We do not need a perfect past or the perfect situation to come to physical wholeness. For someone like Daniel, it would have been easy to give up hope or to turn to other pagan gods like many of the Israelites had. His surroundings did not change his belief. Back in high school, we did an experiment with a compass and a magnet. We were given a normal functioning compass, and as they should, they pointed north. However, when you bring the magnet close, you could change where the arrow was pointing and demagnetize the compass. So, had our physics teacher told us to walk straight north, we would have had 30 different students walking in 30 different directions. We could not figure out true north until we took an unaltered compass and realigned ours with the true working one. This is the kind of situation I picture Daniel in. He had all these different magnets around him, trying to get him off the true path, trying to demagnetize him. We too have this situation in our culture today. No matter where we are, there is always something that can get us off our path. The point to recognize, though, is our surroundings do not need to determine our outcome. 
If we continue reading in verse 3, we see how that's possible. In verse 3, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Then the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Before we go any farther, I think it's interesting to note the picking and training process that goes on. King Nebuchadnezzar was very specific on the type of young men he wanted. First, he wanted Israelites from the royal family, and Daniel was from the line of David. It is not very clear why they had to be royal descent, but it could have been a warning to Jerusalem, almost like a hostage situation that the king wanted to be feared. Since King Nebuchadnezzar was also very concerned about his own image, it's possible he only wanted the best-looking young men so that he could show them off in his courts. The king also wanted young men that were educated or had been trained in what the Bible says as every kind of learning. The training these young, men, these young men went through in their hometown qualified them for service in the king's palace. So King Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to be disciplined already, but immediately at the end of verse 4 states that they are to be trained in the Babylonian literature. This also included having a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained in this way for three years. The Bible does not give an exact age of the boys at this point, but it is believed that they were probably in their early teens. This is the first step the king takes to try and change the young man's faith. The second and more noticeable step to take away the very identity the boys grew up with. The second and more noticeable step is to take away the very identity the boys grew up with. The king wants to take away the boys' Hebrew names and replace them with Babylonian names and make them and the people of Babylon believe that they are true Babylonians. I often wonder what my life would have been like if I would have been called something different. Would I have a different attitude? Would I hang out with different people? I don't know what it would be like, and I don't need to know, but I know that my identity should remain the same. Daniel and his friends are prime examples of this. Daniel in Hebrew means, God is my judge, and his name was changed to Belshazzar, meaning, Bel protect his life. Bel was the chief god of Babylon at the time. Hananiah means the Lord shows grace, which was changed to Shadrach, which scholars believe means under the command of Aku, their moon god. Mishael means who is like God, and he became Meshach, meaning who is like Aku. Azariah means the Lord helps, and his name was changed to Abednego, meaning servant of Nebo or Nego, another Babylonian god. This is significant because all their names have a relationship to the God of Israel. This also means that the parents of these young men were devout parents and that they came from a godly home in their early years, which, going back to my previous point, may have been the reason that they did not turn off the path in their early life. Yet Nebuchadnezzar changes all their names to focus them around Babylonian gods. He tries to take away their true identity and replace it with a new one. George MacDonald, a Scottish author and Christian minister, asks, Who can give a man this, his own name? These young men, the name of these young men was not what made them able to be used by God, but rather their discipline and training to follow only one God. So, who can give a man this, his own name? 
McDonald goes on to answer, God alone, for no one but God sees what the man is. Nebuchadnezzar thought that by changing their names and putting them through his training, that he could change the kind of men they, are, they were. But thanks to their early training, the work they put in to know the true God, they were able to see straight through the king's plan. Continuing in verse 8, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of the Lord my king, who has assigned you your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? Then the king would have my head because of you. Daniel makes a choice. The New International Version uses the word resolved, meaning firmly determined to do something. We never find that Daniel hesitated with his choice either. The problem, with Daniel and his, the problem that Daniel and his friends faced here was a bit more in-depth than just saying no to the steak and yes to the veggies, which I think for many of us, and especially myself, would be a big problem on its own. The food offered to Daniel and his friends was intended to be a generous gift and show that they had the king's favor, but it was also a test of their faith to the Lord and to his law. The first problem with the food was that some of the food was forbidden by Jewish law or the preparations did not meet the requirements of the law. The second, and the possibly the driving factor behind the decision to say no, was that the food and wine had been dedicated to idols. To take part in the eating and drinking of this food and wine would have meant that Daniel and his friends recognized and worshipped the pagan gods. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 20-21, No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the demons too. You cannot have part of the demons. Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they got this way before Paul wrote it in a letter to the Corinthian church. They knew that to eat the food and drink the wine was not beneficial to their faith. They understood what Moses said in Deuteronomy 8.3, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. They realized that by making this decision, they would be outcasts, the different ones. As far as we know, the rest of the young men all took part in the king's food, and so Daniel and his companions separated themselves from the rest of the group. Keep in mind, it wasn't a simple decision either, and we read even the official in charge of them is nervous that they will look worse than the rest of the boys. He was nervous that they might not be as good-looking, and should, and should the king find out why, the official in charge would likely lose his life for it. So it was no easier of a request to grant than a decision. But as it says, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. I think verse 8 here of Daniel is one of the most significant. That is never the only option given to us. With every encounter in our lives, with every thought that runs through our brain, we have a decision to make and a path to choose. God will never make our decision for us and praise him that he doesn't. He gave us free will to make whatever decision we choose. Often, if we ask him, he will guide us to the right path or show us where to go. But at the end of the day, we still make the choice. That is the beauty of our relationship with God. When we look at Daniel's situation, Daniel knew the decision that he had to make the official request, the official grant them their request. Daniel and his friends didn't figure out their own way to maintain and better their appearance while not eating the king's food. They simply made a decision and had faith that God would take care of the rest. I know for myself, when I'm faced with a different, difficult situation, I pray about it and I ask God to lead me down the right path, 
But as soon as my prayer is done, I go over my options again and worry about all the things that could happen. I want to know immediately what the plan is and every detailed step in between. But that's not how God works. We make the decision and with our faith, allow him to guide us. Another question that could arise is how did Daniel make his decision? In our own lives, how do we deal with the temptations and the schemes that, Daniel has, that the devil has laid out for us? Genesis 4-7 says, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Daniel made his decision not to defile himself long before King Nebuchadnezzar assigned, him, assigned them to eat food and drink wine from his table. Like I mentioned earlier, Daniel had been trained and disciplined before the capture. He kept pursuing God, and this verse 8 sets up the rest of Daniel when later again he's tested and his friends are tested. This was not a spur-of-the-moment reaction for Daniel or for his friends, not merely an emotional response based on feelings or fear. Like a soldier prepares for battle, so Daniel and his companions were trained for this spiritual battle. And to be honest, this point gets to me. What am I doing to prepare for my battle? Have I done my training, or when the time comes, will I lose heart? Because the Lord knows I will lose each battle if I, if I do not choose to remain steadfast in my faith for him. But the bottom line is this. If we choose Jesus, if we give our all to Jesus, we will have the strength to endure the battles. Moving on to verse 11, we see the next strategy Daniel uses. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please, test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. Daniel goes through testing. I think this strategy is often overlooked and undervalued. After the choice Daniel and his companions make, they stick to their decision and allow testing to happen. They are confident that the decision they, make was, they made was the right one and are willing to prove it. But why is testing necessary when it comes to doing the right thing? Couldn't we just do our best and go on without it? James says in James 1, 2-3, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So not only are we supposed to endure testing, but we're supposed to find it pure joy? That's ri that rarely comes easy. The Bible is full of people that have gone through tests of some sort because of their faith. The one that could stick out to us the most might be Job, a man who had everything taken away from him, including his own kids. But he knows where I am going, says Job in chapter 23, verse 10. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. Job seemed to understand the purpose of testing. He could have easily given up on life and God, but instead, when he saw the result of his testing would make him and his relationship with the Father stronger. Peter talks about this idea of being tested as well in 1 Peter 1.7. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Daniel understood this concept as well. Instead of going with the flow, he let his light shine in the darkness. He had the confidence to know that God was in control of his life and anything else that might happen. Daniel and the young men also showed perseverance. Instead of getting angry at their situation or at the king for making them change their lifestyle, 
They just continued to live in their, their lives to please God. They showed courage to stand for what was right and not to back away from the test. They didn't start complaining or whining and saying, this isn't fair. They simply stated their case and endured the testing that would come along with it. Of course, that testing could not have happened if God was not in control of that too. Continuing in verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. God had caused the official to show favor to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and let them endure the 10 days of testing. Not only did they complete their 10 days and remain healthy, but the Bible says they actually looked healthier and better nourished than all the other young men that had ate the food assigned by the king. They went through the training. They made their choice. They tested themselves, and God granted their request and blessed them richly. Verse 17 to the end of the chapter reads, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Coming from a land with, that was losing sight in God, apart to being forced to move to an even more corrupt land, Daniel and his friends made quite the journey. At the end of their three-year training and training period in Babylon, the Bible writes that King Nebuchadnezzar found the young men ten times better than all the other intellects in the kingdom. They had their lifestyle taken away, they had their names taken away, but they did not lose their faith in God. We too are on a journey, a journey to physical wholeness. Just like Daniel, we must be prepared to do the right thing. I got um, that I thought would help bring my point across. Just imagine it to be a bird. And so, if I want to make something that like this, if I'm doing with these tools, or even a family that has ever, ever seen this, but I can choose to do it. This need to be trained if I want to use these tools well. I can't just pick up these tools and beautiful or expect to even know what I'm doing. So I need to go through a training process to know how to use this hammer, how to use this screwdriver. And yeah, this may seem simple. It's not the best uh, analogy. I need to be trained on how to use it. Thirdly, I'm going to have to make a choice for which tool to use. And so there's a screw in here and there's a nail. And if I use this screwdriver to try and put this nail in, we could be sitting here all day. Or vice versa, if I use this hammer to try and smash this screw in, it might go in, but it's going to be cracked. It's not going to function for its desired purpose. It's not going to be right. And thirdly, or fourthly, I'm going to have to be tested to make sure what I'm doing is right. If I'm never tested on my ability to make something look good, if I'm never tested on my ability to use this hammer, to use this screwdriver, how will I ever know what I'm doing is right? I may think that this could be the right way to hammer in a nail. I would not know until someone tells me, someone who's been trained, someone who's gone through the process, that no, what you're doing is wrong, or you could do this to do better. At the end result, if I go through the training, if I, go, if I make my decision, and if I get the correction or the test that I need, the result will be hopefully something beautiful, something that 
looks better than this. And so this analogy isn't perfect, but that's kind of the point I wanted to bring out. And so God is looking for... He used four young boys to stand up to a powerful king and turn a sinful nation on edge. The testimony of these young boys should be a source of strength for us to look to in times of temptation and trouble. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were men of uncompromising faith and men God could use to show his glory. What does it take for us to become like those young men? Sam Eldridge writes in his book, Wild at Heart, you have to know where you've come from, have to have faced your enemy. Our past might be rotten, the trials might be tough, the journey can be long, and the enemy cruel. But God is not done using willing people to advance his kingdom. In a time of moral decay, where the truth seems to be relative to everyone, let us be a people of faith, a people... Dear God, I just want to thank you for letting us all gather here today in an environment that is very friendly, an environment where we're not forced to do things that we don't want to do, an environment that we can come to peacefully, where we have our own names, where we have our identity in you, Lord. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray as we continue with our service, I pray that you just bless it. I pray that we can go from here and that we can, we can just see you in our everyday lives and that we can stand for what is right. In your name I pray. Amen.